0: Welcome to this week's edition of Flashback Friday, your opportunity to get some good review by listening to episodes from the past that Jason has handpicked to help you today in the
1: present and propel you into the future. Enjoy. Welcome to Creating Wealth with Jason Hartman. During this program, Jason is going to tell you some really exciting things that you probably haven't thought of before and a new slant on investing. Fresh new approaches to America's best investment that will enable you to create more wealth and happiness than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine, self made multimillionaire who not only talks the talk, but walks the walk. He's been a successful investor for 20 years and currently owns properties in 11 states and 17 cities. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to financial freedom. You really can do it. And now here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors.
0: Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show. This is your host, Jason Hartman, and thank you so much for joining me today. We'll be back with today's guest or segment in just a moment.
1: What's great about the shows you'll find on jasonhartman.com is that if you want to learn about some cool new investor software, there's a show for that. If you want to learn why Rome fell, Hitler rose, and Enron failed, there's a show for that. If you want to know about property evaluation technology on the iPhone, there's a show for that. And if you'd like to know how to make millions with mobile homes, there's even a show for that. Yep, there's a show for just about anything. Only from JasonHartman.com. Or type in Jason Hartman in the iTunes Store.
0: It's my pleasure to welcome Robert Kiyosaki back to the show. Of course, you know his name. He's an international bestseller, and he wrote the number one personal finance book of all time, which you've probably read. It's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And we're going to talk about his uh, latest work today, which is entitled Rich Dad Scams, Eight Financial Scams Disguised as Wisdom. And this is very timely uh, for today's world. And Robert, welcome back. Good to talk to you. Thank you very much. Well, it's good to have you on the show. So tell us about some of these things that people should really be aware of and, and concerned about out there in the world. There's snake oil salesmen everywhere. That was true hundreds of years ago. It's true today.
1: Well, my, my question has always been, you know, why don't we have financial education in schools? So in my opinion, this financial crisis we're in today, and it's a serious crisis, really starts in the classroom. You know, when I was a little boy, about nine years old, I kept asking my teachers, when are we going to learn about money? And the teacher, the teacher finally told me the truth. We don't, we don't teach you about money in school. And so that's when I kind of, that's at nine years old. I said, well, I better find out who's somebody who can teach me about money. And that's when I met my rich dad. who's was my best friend's father. And then I began to realize the biggest scam of all is education. And they only train you to be employees to work for the rich. And as long as you know nothing about money, they can control your life. So that's where the scam starts.
0: Yeah, it sure does. That whole system was designed by the industrialists hundred plus years ago, to create employees. It's, it's kind of like a factory. They were just, you know, educating, if you will, employees, as you've talked about in depth in in some of your work over the years, to just work for them and not to think, not to be entrepreneurs, not to be successful investors. So why, why hasn't that changed? I mean, are, are the powers that be the National Education Association, as Steve Forbes calls the National Extortion Association, so powerful that we just can't make a dent in the, in the system?
1: That's, that's part of it. There's a, you know you were talking about 100 years ago, the exact date was 1904. A gentleman named John D. Rockefeller, founder of the Standard Oil Company, basically heisted the educational system by creating the General Education Board in 1904, so 110 years ago. And what the General Education System did that that Rockefeller controlled was he then dictated the content or the curriculum of schools so as you know to be successful today in the real world you need academic education you need professional education and you need financial education and the reason most people are highly educated very smart people like my poor dad is they don't have any financial education And they think they're smart. So as long as you come out of school with this false sense of that I'm smart and you're not, then it's really tough to learn from an I'm smart, I'm great, and you're an idiot point of view. So what we have today, when you look at politics, you have a bunch of very highly educated, smart people who really don't know much about money. That's from the president on down. So that's our problem.
0: Yeah, I certainly agree with you there, Robert. So, what what can we do to overcome this? I mean, reading Rich Dad Poor Dad is a great start that's inspired millions of people, of course. But to take a deeper dive, where should people really focus their effort when you talk about financial education? And do you include entrepreneurship in that? By the way,
1: well, I don't. You know, it's not about so much entrepreneurship as you have to no know assets from liabilities. And, you know, the richest people on earth never went to school. They're called Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, uh, the Beatles, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> and what they did was they created mega brands and mega businesses. And the same as Google and, you know, Facebook and all this. Walt Disney never finished school. So what they did was they create. They were great entrepreneurs. But you don't have to be that big an entrepreneur. I have a friend it's my age and he started when he was in high school with i think 12 chickens and he just started taking the eggs from his chickens and reinvesting his eggs and today his chicken far- factory out of ohio produces ten million eggs a day so if you figure he's making ten cents an egg or whatever he makes <laughs> it's a lot of cash flow and then he off sells the fertilizer and chicken meat and all this And the guy never went to school he's a chicken farmer and you know, And Colonel Sanders, all he had to sell was a chicken recipe. (laughs) And J.K. Rawlings, who was on welfare, wrote Harry Potter. So a lot of it is very, you know, very understanding the world of business. And you don't have to be an entrepreneur to tap into it. So J.K. Rawlings is hardly an entrepreneur. And uh, she just tapped in.
0: Yeah, good, good point. So, you know, I'd like to talk to you about some sort of related issues, if we could. Yesterday, I posted on my Facebook mentioning that I was going to have you back on the show today, and I had a a few questions that people brought up. And one of them is the seemingly very exciting area of crowdfunding. I have a feeling you would have something to say about that, especially as it comes to maybe funding real estate
1: deals. Well, crowdfunding to me is a scam also. I mean, it's not the way I would do it, but and as long as it stays small, people will not get hurt. But as you know, there's right now a lot of con um, men who are going to float dubious, you know, deals. And people will send money in like they did to Bernie Madoff, and then somebody's going to get burned. There's going to be a big hullabaloo about it, and then they're going to try and set it down. I mean, you can see it coming, you know, without really thinking much about it. Sort of like Bitcoin, you know, I try to get my head around it. Yeah. But I'm going, well, eventually somebody's gonna get burned. So every time you have people just kind of rushing into something, then you'd better step back a little bit and pay attention. And
0: yeah? and and think. But as an alternative to Wall Street, I mean we know that Wall Street's a scam in so many ways, even though it's legalized through lobbyists and PR firms and lawyers and accountants. But it it just seems like there's gonna be a lot of a lot of opportunity for the little guy to get a deal off the ground nowadays. Of course, there will be scam artists. We, we know that's coming. There will be tons of litigation. But we already have that. We, we have scandals galore on Wall Street, even after all the, the so-called corporate governance reforms.
1: Yeah, so what's your question?
0: Well, I don't know. Just <laughs> I
1: guess you answered it.
0: So thank you for that.
1: I think the question is what are you gonna do about it? And you know, I've 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 never changed my tune. I've always said you have to have financial education. But the biggest scam of all is what Wall Street passes off through the education system as financial education. For example, what Wall Street and the financial planners and the stockbrokers and the school teachers say is financial education is save money invest for the long-term in a well-diversified portfolio of stocks, balance, and mutual fund, and you'll be rich. Well, that's how they rip you off because what the way you get ripped off in the stock market is, as you know, the market always goes up because they pump it up with quantitative easing right now. And so all the amateurs come running in because they see the stock market at all-time highs, and then the bottom is going to fall out, and then the amateurs will get ripped off by the professionals. And it happens all the time. It
0: happens every time. You know, it's always the amateurs that come in when the news is so positive and everybody's, you know, the adrenaline junkies. And, and they always, they always they're, they're playing musical chairs and the music stops. And all the big guys have already pulled out, haven't they?
1: Well, that's the game. I mean, you're probably too young to remember this, but in the comic strip Peanuts, you know, like Charlie Brown, and Lucy, Lucy would always hold the football. And Charlie Brown says, you're going to pull it out, aren't you? You know, she goes, no, 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 kick, kick the football. And every time Charlie, Ball, Charlie Brown winds up, runs at the football, and Lucy pulls the football away and he falls down. <laughs> it happens every single time and people don't work.
0: It's, a, it's amazing how short people's memories are, aren't they?
1: Well, if you look at what's going on in Iraq, I mean, somebody said, oh my God, this is just like Vietnam. I said, "That's always been that way. We're not there to fight for peace. We're there to fight for the military-industrial complex because it's very profitable to explode bombs in the desert. And it's very profitable to have people killed. Oh, we're there to save the Iraqis. That's BS. They're fighting for the military-industrial complex. And the moment you recognize that, you know, I'm a former Marine. I fought in Vietnam twice. One day I woke up and I said, this is not about world peace. This is about money. And that's why you know, I don't regret going to Vietnam, but I kind of woke up. And I see the same thing going on in Iraq today. this It's a war we could never win.
0: Yep, no no question about it. So, Robert, uh, as we've got a little time left, I'd like to ask you, you've made some predictions in the past that have just been uh, amazingly accurate and prescient. What do you think is coming next for us? I mean, are we going to see a lot of inflation? Will we see deflation? It seems like with, with all the money printing, we ultimately have got to see inflation. But I don't know. There are those who think both ways.
1: Yeah, that's the truth. You don't really know which way it's going to go. But obviously, the government wants inflation. Because you can fight inflation. You can't fight deflation. So, um, you know, when prices start to go down, they accelerate down. And so let me give an example. If, if you knew today that you're, uh, you're going to buy a new Kia... And it was ten thousand bucks, but you knew tomorrow it'd be eight thousand bucks. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't spend ten. And if you knew it was going to eight from eight to six, you would wait again. And so that's when the bottom drops out. Is because people are waiting for it to crash anyway. So that's deflation. So the Fed obviously is trying for inflation, and the only thing they're inflating is the stock market, and they're trying to inflate the housing market, and. As I said, we don't learn from mistakes. We didn't learn from Iraq. We didn't learn from Vietnam, and we didn't learn from the last crash. So they're doing exactly the same thing. The stock market isn't really up. What is happening is that the CEOs are basically repurchasing their own stock, so it gives the illusion that the price is going up, but they're just drying up the supply of stock. And eventually, the amateurs are going to come rolling in again, and it's, it's going to be a wily e. coyote moment. You know, beep beep and you'll
0: fall off the cliff. Yeah, that is is true. And I I remember when the Dow went above 15,000, and, you know, of course CNBC was going crazy, and everybody was talking it up. And and all all you do is you you compare the real and nominal dollar return, and really until the Dow got to, of course, you know, the S&P is a more accurate gauge because it's much broader. But just looking at the Dow, since it's quoted the most, it had to be 15800 to be in real dollars exactly where you were about 11 years earlier. And they're, they're talking about record highs. And, you know, most people, they just don't even realize it. They don't even get it. It's like trickery with numbers.
1: That's correct. And they can lie with words. For example, when the crash hit in you know, 2007, 2008, all these big companies came on. and They said, yeah, we beat the S&P. What they didn't tell you is SP went down by 57%, and they, they only went down by 50%. Yes, <laughs> that's, <laughs> you know, you, you, as somebody says, you can't cure stupid.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, for sure. I mean,
1: it's, it's the same, we're making the same mistakes again and again and again, and the average person will will, will never learn. So, shame on them.
0: Remember, you're listening to Flashback Friday. Our new episodes are published every Monday and Wednesday.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. If you understand a crash is a good thing. I made more money between 2007 and 2014 than I did all the years of my life prior to that. But I was prepared for it. I had experience, I had education. I had my partners, I had my team. So when the crash came, you know, we thought we went to heaven.
0: You you were ready to seize upon opportunities when most people either weren't or they were just scared because they didn't they didn't know any better so they just were full of fear you know they were just allowing the media to program their minds.
1: Well, worst of all, they don't have the skill set to take advantage of the crash. If you know what I mean. So the, you know they they may have they may be a PhD in microbiology very smart people but they know nothing about crashes so. And I'm afraid the next crash may be a long one. You know, in the, the, the 1929, the Dow went down from a high of 381, and it took 25 years to hit 381 again. So it went down in 1929, and it didn't, it didn't hit 381 until 1954. So this next one may stay down for a long time because there'll be a redemption after redemption, which means old guys like me will be cashing in their stocks because they don't have time. You know, so they cash now.
0: Yeah, very good. Very good point. Very good point. And I think probably what really rescued, if you will, the stock market way back then was the fact that Merrill brought so many people from the general public into the stock market. They started promoting the stock market so much more widely. And when the average uh, John Q public started bringing bringing their, their savings into the market, that probably helped quite a bit too.
1: Well, that's correct. They, they, took, they took Wall Street to Main Street. Mer- Merrill did do that. And then the worst thing is between 1929 and today was in 1929, only a few people were in the stock market. And today, what you're bringing up is that I would say most people, in one way or the other, through their funds or retirements, are in the stock market. And if you look at the Dow today, it's in a triple top. And a triple top is possibly the most ominous, you know, it's like the, it's, it's almost like they, saw, they showed a double funnel tornado yesterday. Well, a triple top is like a triple tornado hitting us. So that's why I look at all that stuff and I listen to CNBC and then I feel for every person my age is going, what should I do? What should I do? You know, I got my money in the stock market and I'm, I'm receiving nothing in interest in my savings and I don't know where to put my money. Well, those are all symptoms of a person who may be highly educated but lacks any financial education. You see, it's really a good time coming up. Unfortunately, millions of people will be wiped out.
0: Yes, you are most definitely right about that. It is going to be painful for very uh, for for a lot of people. What are you doing uh, with your real estate portfolio nowadays? And I, by the way, I want to tell you something that uh, I just discovered about two weeks ago. I was reading your Wikipedia entry, and someone put in there that you were on my show <laughs> in 2011, about... and it and it said that you owned 1,400 apartment houses. And, you know, I'm sure that was units. They sort of misquoted you probably and talked about investing in warehouses, triple net leases. And I know you talked about oil wells, too, back then and just kind of wanted to see where you were on real estate. We talked a lot about stocks.
1: Well, first of all, I wouldn't believe anything I read on the web anyway.
0: Well, yeah, fair enough.
1: (laughs) I don't don't know how people believe that stuff. I mean, I'm an old guy, you know, so I sit there and watch it and I go, you can say anything you like. Why would you believe it? And the other thing too is not fourteen hundred; it's four thousand. Hmm, that's probably, interesting. And what I'm doing with real estate is I have about five hundred million dollars in debt, and right now the average floating debt is around five percent. And a company just came by and says, "We'll refinance it all for less than three percent." Well, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that if you take five million at five percent and you drop it to three percent that's two million dollars in extra cash flow due to reduction in mortgage payments so that's why debt makes people rich and yet you listen to all these so-called financial experts who saying get out of debt that's really bad advice you should be getting into debt oh i completely agree rates. are you kidding me
0: yeah yeah uh, unbelievable and what are you- thoughts on the real rate of inflation? I mean, you know, of course we've got the official numbers, but if if you're if you're getting your debt at three percent, I would argue that you're probably got a you have a negative real interest
1: rate there. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Because well it depends on how you compute CPI consumer price index because in nineteen seventy two, I think, was Nixon changed evaluations for the CPI Consumer Price Index and he he took out food and took out fuel from inflation so that's how Janet Yellen can get up there or Obama can get out so we have no inflation but if you go shopping you'll see inflation all over the place and you know when Obama took office gasoline per gallon was about a dollar 80 a gallon and today it's about 350 again so that's a hundred percent increase in so many years but yet Yellen and Obama can say there's no inflation so the that's what I'm saying. It's like Facebook or the web. I don't know how you believe anything today.
0: Yeah. No. You you really have to read between the lines, and people have got to think. They've got to have an education. They've got to think for themselves, and just you know know how to dissect this stuff and to to understand it, and buy a mutual fund rather than uh, you know accumulate some good long term fixed rate debt against real estate, and especially Robert, when as real estate investors. We don't even pay our own debt. Our tenants pay our debt
1: for us, right? Correct. I mean, the key to life is other people's money. So you borrow your bank's money, and your tenant pays back the bank. Yeah.
0: What, <laughs> what there, a deal. So there, all, all, there is a
1: God someplace. Yeah. <laughs> all, all you need to do is get in the middle of that deal, and
0: <laughs> you can get fabulously rich, but right? Can you
1: imagine that? I mean, the bank will give you the money to buy something that makes you rich, and then the tenant will pay you to live there and then pay off the bank. On top of that, you get appreciation, depreciation, amortization, all these tax breaks. And then you hear everybody complaining about raising tax, rising taxes. But if you own real estate with debt, you don't pay any taxes. So, you know, that's, that's what this book, I guess, is about, Eight Financial Scams, disguised as, as Wisdom. You can get it at richdead.com. But well, it starts with school, you know. Being, you know, being successful in school doesn't make you rich. Yeah, that's for it's, sure. It's, it's kind of a ripoff. Every time I look at these student loans, I feel for the young people leaving school with all these million, not, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars in student loan debt. That's hard to hard to pay back.
0: It sure is, especially when there aren't jobs out there waiting for them. And the fact that that debt is the only type of debt not dischargeable in bankruptcy, so they've literally created a generation of indentured servants that don't get a second chance.
1: Well, it's even worse than that. I mean, what you're saying is accurate. It's the worst possible type of debt. You know, if, if I screw up on an apartment house, I can just be, bankrupt it and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm free and clear from the debt. But I can't bankrupt a student loan debt. On top of that, I haven't learned anything about money on top of it. So what do I spend that money for? See, it goes back to what I was saying when I was nine years old. I raised my hand and I said, when am I going to learn about money? And the answer was never. So why am I going to school then? You know, that was my question. You look at the richest people on earth; didn't finish school. Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Michael Dell, Zuckerberg, Walt Disney, Henry Ford, Oprah Winfrey—you know, just to name a few.
0: Yep, and uh, don't forget Jason Hartman in there, <laughs> because because I, I I just felt like when I was in college, I was listening to a government bureaucrat essentially. Teach me about something that I'm just never going to use. I was anxious to get out there in the real world and buy properties. And I bought my first rental property at 20 years old. And, you know, it's been on from there. And successful people are doers. You know, they, they learn. Of course, you've got to balance learning and doing. But they get the kind of education that is real-world education, financial education. In
1: 1973, I returned from Vietnam as a pilot for the Marine Corps. And my poor dad obviously wanted me to get my MBA. And my rich dad said, Well, it's a waste of time. But anyway, so he suggested I take a real estate course. I took a three day real estate course as well as sign up for my MBA. And I learned more in three days in the real estate course than I did in my MBA program. So finally, after falling asleep every night of the week in the MBA program, I just dropped out and got rich buying real estate (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah that's true that's true it it was less time i made more money because it cost me three days and 385 dollars which was a lot of money back though back in 73 but i became a multi-millionaire over and over and over again for that 385 dollars and i pay zero taxes legally what's better than that
0: hey robert i want to take a guess was that like william nickerson's course or something way back then uh, yeah it was it was yeah that course yeah. Yeah yeah that's uh, that's fantastic. That's the old days of of, of real estate investing and in real estate uh, gurus out there. But fantastic. Well your website is richdad.com of course and people can get this book it's a it's a download right from the web. I found it really fascinating how you did Conspiracy of the Rich which was fantastic by the way.
1: I really enjoyed that one. Thank you.
0: And you know how it was kind of this collaborative effort. Did you do that with this new book
1: Uh, This new book is, to be truthful, what now that book is coming out. These are books I wrote a long time ago. So, but what I said a long time ago, is coming true. Still true. Yeah. Eight financial scams. I mean, it's really hard to believe a financial scam is going to school, and a job is the worst thing you can get because you'll pay more in taxes. And the harder you work, the higher tax rate you move into, and. Why would you save money? You know, everybody oh, says, you've got to save money. Why would you save money when I can borrow money at, you know, 3.8%? And then why would I invest for the long term in the stock market when I'm only going to get ripped off when the market crashes? And why would I buy a house when your house is not an asset? And so that really that's a scam. The scam has to do with what so-called the rich have p- perpetrated upon us without financial education. So what the scam is, what we think is smart is actually stupid. So that's really what the eight eight scams are. And you guys, if you really want to find out how big a scam that information is, that's why you should get the book, and maybe you'll stop thinking that way. Maybe you won't be looking for a job. Maybe you won't be going back to school. Maybe you won't be thinking your house is an asset. Maybe you'll think, maybe I should get rich instead of work for somebody else. And that's the purpose of my work. You know, I don't... I'm not saying what you should do, but I would think think differently. And the biggest scam is the lack of financial education in our school system. Like I said, it started in 1904 with a man named John D. Rockefeller and the General Education Board. If you read the, you read the bylaws of the General Education Board, the purpose of the General Education Board was to take farm kids and turn them into employees in factories. That was the mission, and nothing has changed. And so if you're going to school for a good job and all that, you're being suckered. That's the worst part about it.
0: Absolutely. I, I'm not
1: saying education is unimportant. I'm saying it may be obsolete.
0: Right, right. And, and, and you know, the worst thing is, is to see people get these useless liberal arts degrees. You know, yeah. it, it, at least if you're going to go to school— be an engineer or do something that's real, you know? (laughs) I I can't tell you, Robert, how many people over the years I've hired who have degrees in psychology, (laughs) you know, that they're not using. I mean, it's just unbelievable. But good advice. Well, very sage advice again from Robert Kiyosaki. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show. His website is richdad.com. Go and download this book. I think you'll really enjoy it. And Robert, again, thanks for joining us. Thanks for the time. This show is produced by the Hartman Media Company, all rights reserved. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please visit www.hartmanmedia.com or email media at hartmanmedia.com. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own, and the host is acting on behalf of Platinum Properties Investor Network, Inc. exclusively.